I'm Monica and welcome to another MCAT Master interview. In this series, we basically just sit down with MCAT top scorers so that we can figure out what strategies are helping them the most in their process and hopefully inspire you as you're going through this journey as well. We know how difficult it can be. So many students struggle with the MCAT, but that doesn't mean they can't find a way to achieve their dream score. So we wanna show you how top scorers are ultimately getting there so that you guys can make it over the mountain yourselves. So with that, I'd like to introduce you all to Stephanie Hayes. Stephanie, Hi welcome to the series and thanks so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited. Oh my gosh, we are so excited to have you as well. And we're really excited to hear your story from you and everything like that. But I wanted to start by giving our listeners a little bit of information, I guess, about your background. So when Stephanie first started on her MCAT journey, she struggled with balancing the work required for success with other aspects of her life, as one does during MCAT prep. So putting school and family obligations on top of the MCAT workload became a constant struggle, culminating in her lowest practice exam score being a 496. However, she didn't let that stop her deciding to take her prep slowly and raise her score bit by bit over the course of a year of sticking with the exam. Still, after a whole year, she found herself stuck at a 506, only a 10 point increase with just four weeks left before her test date. And that's when she finally started searching for and applying proven strategies to MCAT prep. And in those last 30 days, she was able to raise her score by seven points to a 513 on her final exam score, which is amazing. So in this interview, we're just gonna launch into understanding how she achieved a 17 point score increase overall and how she skyrocketed her score in the last 30 days, as well, how she studied overall, how she scheduled her prep, and then looking into each of the individual sections and getting her advice on each of those as well. And so much more that will come up outside of all of those topics. So with all that, let's go ahead and get started. So Stephanie, why don't you just start by telling us a little bit about yourself? Absolutely. So I am from Augusta, Georgia, and I grew up with just my parents and, um, I kind of decided that I wanted to go to UGA just to, you know, get out and get a new experience. And I think that was really good for me. Um, I love going to concerts and going to festivals as like kind of an escape. It's kind of stark from pre-med stuff, which kind of helps, you know, when you get back into the studying mindset, you had that fun that weekend and you can really focus for the next week. I have a club that I do. Um, I started it actually with my boyfriend last year. It's called the Brain Exercise Initiative. And it's a chapter of a national organization that does basic, simple math, reading and writing with Alzheimer's and dementia patients in retirement homes. And so we'll do these brain exercises with them um, in the hopes that their Alzheimer's is actually getting better and um, progressing. That's such a cool cause. And it sounds like super meaningful as well. So that's awesome. So going a little bit backwards then, what inspired you to want to become a doctor in the first place? Did it have something to do with like Alzheimer's and that type of population? It definitely did. So my grandmother was actually diagnosed with Lewy to body dementia when I was in high school. And that was a pretty good catalyst for me going into the medical field. I did a lot of volunteering in high school at the hospital and I really enjoyed it. But then when she came down with dementia, it really made me want to learn more about the mind and understanding how this sort of thing happens and the path that you can take when you're younger or maybe even at that stage to improve and treat it because there is no cure. But medicine really because of her and I just enjoyed volunteering and doing my part to serve others and anatomy and 
biology have always been super interesting to me. So I thought, why not put it all together and let's go to medical school. Right. It's a whole bunch of different pieces that come together and, and motivate you, I guess, which is good because it's coming from all these different things. Right. So getting into the journey then, you knew you wanted to go, but obviously every pre-med student has to confront the MCAT at some point. So where were you in your life when you started prepping and how did you feel about it as you were going into it? So I was actually home for the summer because of COVID and I was taking two summer classes and I began thinking about how I was going to tackle my next year of school with MCAT prep. Um, my mentor, a doctor that I had shadowed in the college, had told me that he suggested I start about a year out. And at first I thought that is a lot of time to be studying for this one exam, but you know what, let me go ahead and take a diagnostic. So I took a Kaplan diagnostic, which was a four hour exam, and I scored a 496. And so that was having a good amount of prereqs under my belt. I hadn't at that point had biochemistry or physics one or two. So you can imagine my chemistry score was pretty low. And so was bio and biochem. At that point, I decided to go ahead and start thinking about a prep course, if I would be able to do that. And I decided to get a Kaplan course around that summer, but it was not going to be until January to March of the next year that I would start taking that. Okay. So that was the, the scenario going into it. Um, and yeah, that first diagnostic score, nobody's score is ever that good on that first one, but that can be a hard starting place at the same time. So with that score in mind and like the time that well, you it had. Was also, it was also um, from that, that score mm -hmm. being from all of my um, pre-med classes, they had a really good foundation for that test. Right, right, exactly. So going from there, how did you go about making a study schedule for your prep? So I started making a study schedule for my prep with doing the Kaplan books. Um, I got them that summer and I kind of broke it down to trying to read about three chapters from a book a week. So that would land me having read all of the chapters from the Kaplan that November. And then I would, from that point, start doing practice questions. Um, it wasn't perfect. It really took some time to like actually get into the groove of that, especially starting with school and having about 15 hours on my plate, along with extracurriculars, which during that time, COVID kind of crushed a good bit of them. But I was still trying to get my club up and running, so that was pretty difficult. And I definitely didn't reach my target of having all of the chapters read by that point and I probably got like a chapter to two read a week so I was pretty scared when it came time for in my schedule November to start doing three hours a day with practice questions and end of chapter questions with all of the books so at that point I decided to do three hours a day of MCAT prep up until about April when I would kick it up to four to six hours a day um, and that would be my final push into my test date which was June. Okay. So like this gradual increase in time and intensity, which makes sense. It's a long exam at the same time too. Yeah. Um, so oh, it was a learning process though. Um, when I was doing the scheduling, um, when November and December came around, I definitely had more time with breaks to get more than three hours in. And that made me kind of hopeful for going into January when my prep course would start, because that would be once a week, three hours a night. 
And that's when I decided like three hours is probably gonna have to be my cap for those few months just because of school and extracurriculars. And I would try to go home sometimes on the weekend, but that's when the sacrifices started kicking in and you know, taking a full length on a weekend and reviewing it the next day. So it definitely increased over time. Yeah, which makes sense when you're bouncing and trying to time management, I guess, in general. So moving forward, I'm getting more specific. So you mentioned Kaplan already. What other resources did you use and find helpful in your book? So the Kaplan books, along with their channel on their website, were pretty helpful. The channel kind of mirrors Khan Academy videos. They come with worksheets that are a little bit more specific to MCAT tricks and tips, I would say. But Khan Academy videos I used pretty regularly. I would take notes and put them in a binder of subjects that I was sore on for full lengths. And Anki, I began doing Anki for psychology probably in January, and I would do it every single day. And it was so helpful. And then MCAT Mastery, the last month of my prep, I wish I had found it sooner. It was honestly the biggest blessing to find you guys because it, it really did improve my score. But those were mostly all of the prep courses, the materials that I used. Yeah, yeah. I've heard a lot of good things about a lot of those resources. So that must say something like those are helpful to a lot of people who are finding success on, in their prep. Now, more generally speaking, throughout your prep, what do you think were your biggest challenges or struggles? And how did you kind of work through those? Um, I definitely think maintaining healthy balance with school and self-care was my biggest struggle. My mental health mm -hmm. towards the middle end of my studying was getting pretty rough, honestly, because I wasn't giving myself as many breaks as I should have. I go straight from doing schoolwork and tests into MCAT prep, and I really wouldn't let myself go out or hang out with friends for a good majority of the week. And then by the weekend, I was so dead and I would have to do a full length and then review it the next day that I ended up kind of burning out about beginning of April. And I had to take a whole week off of doing anything from MCAT just because I knew that nothing was sticking at that point and it was going to hurt me more than help me. So after that, I think I realized that I needed to make time for myself and make time for a break and take one day off a week every single time. That was something that I was told to do from the very beginning and just never took seriously. And I wish I had a lot sooner because I feel like I would have been more recovered going into a week where if I, if I had a break and I would be able to absorb more rather than just going every single day, pushing myself until, you know, I actually had to take a break. And honestly, mm -hmm. meditation and yoga really helped. There's a yoga club on my school campus that I went to a little bit more. I had friends going and they invited me and that was also super helpful. Yeah, yeah. I appreciate you bringing this up because I think this is something that a lot of students kind of forget about or at least forget until it confronts you, like you said. Absolutely. Um, Nobody takes it as serious as they should until they're like mm -hmm. forced to. And I think that pre-meds especially, like I had a lot of friends going through the same thing with the MCAT and honestly, no one really talked about it until one of us brought it up. And then we all kind of, you know, let each other know that we weren't alone and it is hard. And, you know, listening to positive affirmations on Spotify <laughs> when you're on, you're on your way to class is not a bad way to go. It really does get you in a good headspace. 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like it's proven to help. And it sounds like you had a support system too, which is another way to like. Absolutely. You need a support system. Mm -hmm. I had a friend that was in a hometown um, from my hometown doing the exact same stuff as me. And we would call each other every week just to check up and, you know, take tabs on how are you doing? Have you found anything that's helped? You know, let me know if you need anything, which is huge. You need to find a support group. Yeah, at least to just even complain about the exam and exactly. um, get through it. So yeah, I think you're completely right about all of that. And so it's awesome that you're able to look back on this side of it now and be able to see how helpful all those things were for you. So is there anything that you did during your prep that you kind of wish you had done differently? So like anything that you regret um, on the other hand of this? I yes, so I definitely did not need to read as much of the Kaplan books that I did. Um, <laughs> that was... That was a good waste of time, if I'm being completely honest. Practice questions, I did not hold to a high enough standard until like eight months into my studying. And the last four months is when I was really cramming practice questions, which I should have been, you know, having a healthy balance of content and practice from the very beginning. Another thing is I was kind of avoiding doing chemistry questions like on the side just because I, I found them particularly challenging, but I feel like if I had gone and done chemistry questions, like packs from either UWorld is what I've heard has been really great for a lot of people from the beginning, I could have solidified a lot of that foundational chemistry and physics at an early point and then worked on more complex and, you know, higher yield questions. But for me, I was definitely, you know, on the short end of the stick getting into like really nailing that chemistry. Yeah, no, I think what you said about practice is super true. And then again, about chemistry, and we'll get into the specific sections, like I said, but a lot of people avoid certain subjects for certain reasons. And eventually you do have to confront that. So that's another good point. Feel like you're good enough at it, or it's definitely something hard. So if you're particularly struggling with one section, like mine was chemistry, um, and you really just can't get yourself to understand a question or like the theory behind it, set aside a part of your day, you know, and put away all the other subjects for that few hours and try to really dig deep into like the foundation of that chapter or concept, like go to the videos, go to the Khan Academy part, go to the Kaplan books, write down the equations, like really try the basic, basic equations and work your way up to like the end of the chapter problems and then to like a question online with UWorld or Kaplan, because those are definitely more challenging than what you will see just in the readings. But once you do that and you understand it at its most basic level, if you understand the concept, you can apply it to all of the more complex areas. That's great advice. I feel like it's always, yeah, the things that you struggle with that you kind of don't. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, so I feel like, yeah, confronting that is is a really good idea. And it's nice that you were able to bring that up. Um, right. Don't go too hard on yourself. You know, everybody has their weaknesses. And once you start identifying them and just being aware of it, you can really work on them. Don't avoid them. Yeah, that's life advice too, honestly. Right. But, um, <laughs> um, so I know we've been talking about like a lot of the strategies that you used or things that helped you a lot. If someone was listening to this and wants to increase their score like you did, um, do you have any other advice, additional things or strategies or methods that helped you get there? Um, I'm a very visual learner. And so like videos 
were great with diagrams and stuff, but I kind of realized that I love taking notes. And even though it might be a pain and it takes way longer than just, you know, watching a 30 minute video to just take the notes and draw the diagrams um, and draw the processes, it helped so much. It was January when I was scoring around a 505 and I got pretty stagnant around a 505 for a few months, probably up until March, I got to like a 506. But when I started watching videos on things that I was weak on and actually drawing the processes or, you know, writing down the vocab words and like highlighting, going back to my notes, I ended up getting this giant pieces of poster paper and I would draw OCHEM reactions and physics equations and I would put them on my wall and I probably looked like a madman for a few weeks, <laughs> but it was great for me because I could go up and look at my book and look at the wall and be like, okay, what am I missing? What needs to be added? You know, how would this equation work? How do these molecules break down or combine? Just really seeing it and having it somewhere written down was super helpful for me. That's a great piece of advice too. And I feel like even if you aren't a visual learner or aren't a prominently visual learner, like that's not going to hurt you in any um, way either. It's right. always good to yeah, write it out. Okay. So let's get into the separate section. So your high score was a 130 in psych which is awesome. So let's start there. How did you study for that section? I know you mentioned Anki already. Was there anything else that you did that you would advise students to do? So I actually found a website called mcatreview.org and it just had every single psychology definition that you could think of. So I would do my Anki during the day and if there was like one concept that, you know, I could recall, but I didn't really understand, I would write it down. I would go look at psychology or the mcatreview.org website to see if it had a more in-depth explanation. And I, I really think that doing Anki every single day, trying to finish that pre-med 95 pack will save you for psychology. If there was like a certain disease that you had to know components of or like causes or like hormones that would be released during that, I would definitely take notes of that and try to like keep it all in one place of like, you know, if this happens and then this is released, just kind of drawing connections between stuff. Um, I really do find psychology interesting in general. So there would be times where I would learn about a certain disease from like the Kaplan book, just reading it. And I would go and just spend 10 minutes diving a little deeper into it and kind of understanding processes just one level deeper will help you remember them. And then for the research parts of it, I definitely think, you know, having a Kaplan book or just like memorizing the variable types was super helpful because they will drop those terms in the passages. And if you just know like what kind of experiment they're talking about in the passage, like there is always going to be one question asked about that. And then like highlighting variable types in the passages or like if they would mention a disease or hormone or an amino acid, I would always highlight those because it seemed like the questions would revolve around something that are tied to those things. And that definitely helped me increase my score towards the end. And MCAT Mastery's guide also spoke on like just paying attention to certain variables and units. So that helped as well. Yeah, just a lot of um, a lot of different places to get all this information. So mm-hmm. um, that's so that's super. Um, you have helpful. to be crafty with it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the more the better, I guess. Right. Okay, so let's move on to cars next, which was your next high score, which was a one twenty nine, which is also awesome. 
So a lot of students struggle with this section. How did you study for it and what advice would you have? Um, I began doing one car's passage a day in August of the year before I took my MCAT. So then I would work up to two cars passages a day. And I did read the cars book from Kaplan. I don't think it was particularly helpful. It, it did let me understand like what were the question types that I should look out for. And just kind of knowing that was helpful. But my score didn't really increase with cars until I found MCAT Mastery and read the cars guide um, because I was reviewing the cars passages wrong. I would just look at the question and think, okay, well, I guess that answer makes sense and not really dig deeper into, you know, why did I get it wrong? What about the other questions is also wrong? And what about this answer is the right one? So the last month and a half of my studying with cars, actually reviewing the passages and trying to tie like a specific sentence or a phrase to the question that's asked would help me find my answer. In the CARS guide from MCAT Mastery, writing topic sentences for each paragraph and then writing a main idea sentence was golden because honestly, I didn't do that before. So I would end up misreading or misinterpreting parts of the passage and without even realizing it. So then I would get to the question and get it wrong just because I had just misunderstood that one paragraph. So when I began practicing my CARS passages, like the one a day or two a day, I would take the time to write one topic sentence or maybe even like a few words for each paragraph and then sum it all up with the main idea sentence. And then I started doing this with my full lengths on the weekends. I would write a main idea sentence for every paragraph and then the final one, just, you know, doing it as quick as you can within your time constraints. But that shot my score up. I would end up doing going from four out of seven correct per passage to getting six out of seven, which was awesome. And then also just like reading on the side is super helpful for cars. I was in a lot of STEM-based classes, so we would have to read research articles and just understanding how like methods and results work. Just reading on the side is actually super helpful. Like you'll understand how authors will try to word things and when they mean one thing versus another and are trying to like put different perspectives in there, just being able to differentiate between those two perspectives will also help you. Yeah, yeah, this section is, like I said, a lot of students have problems with it because it is, you know, it depends on strategy and like trying to figure out a way that works for you to confront it. So thanks for just expanding on your experience with it. So now let's move on to the sciences. Let's start with chem and phys. How did you study for that section and what advice would you have? So chem phys, I would go through the physics book and I would write down all of the equations from the end of each chapter and try to decide if I knew which e what each of those variables meant for myself. And then I would do the end of the chapter practice questions and see if I was missing any major topics in there or like really could not figure out certain things. And then I would go back and dive deeper into those particular areas and um, concepts. For chemistry, I really didn't see a score improvement until I did more practice questions. Reading wasn't so helpful with me there just because with the passages, there's a lot of applied knowledge and learning how to integrate parts of the passage with you know an equation they may be asking you for. So really practicing with the Kaplan 
questions. And I did some next step questions, but you know, only like the free pack of them. And then the AAMC question packs at the very end, I did every single chemistry question in those packs. I would definitely say save them until your last rounds of practice, like definitely like the month before, but doing every single one of those questions and reviewing them, reviewing the answers that like you got wrong and how you got them right, definitely improved my score. Right. That makes sense. With the sciences as well, a lot of students kind of struggle with finding the methods that are going to work for them, I guess. Getting into bio-bio now, so how did you study there? Was it similar or different to chemviz? Um, Bio-biochem, pretty similar to the chem and phys, just, you know, writing down equations, writing down topics. This is kind of where my poster board and visualization came in, <laughs> because I would draw out the glycolysis cycle and the gluconeogenesis cycle, you know, and just like try to draw and see how they would connect. And then I would find mnemonics for the enzymes that were used in those cycles. And that was super helpful because they will ask that. Memorizing the amino acids uh, was a must and, you know, all of the properties that go along with them. So practicing those on Anki was also a pretty big helper. I started keeping a notebook about three months before my test, just instead of like a binder with all these random pieces of paper, I had a notebook that was more consolidated of like, you know, reviews of the full length. And that would give me space to go back and write new ideas about bio and biochem and review source subjects, especially with bio biochem, like use the books if you need to get that base understanding. But other than that, practice questions, practice questions, practice questions. Yeah, great advice. Start with content and then go from there, hit the practice because that's where a lot of the improvement comes in for sure. Okay, so let's talk about your MCAT test day, like the actual day. So how was it for you in general going through the day? Um, I was, I was, I was stressed. I definitely had some um, shaky sleep. It was not, it was not deep. Um, I think it was just nerves and I actually had gone, um, so I go to school in Athens and I drove up to Columbia, South Carolina the next day to take my exam. And I stayed overnight the night before in a hotel. So I got up, I got myself breakfast and I meditated before the exam. I did like 10 minutes of just like pure silence and trying to visualize my perfect score that I wanted that 515. And I listened to some positive affirmations and, you know, really told myself I've been working so hard for this and I know I can do it. It's just time to put it into game action and game mode. And the anxiety definitely gets better through meditating, I would say. Um, I did this before all of my full lengths as well, or my practice ones. And just doing that and having that routine on my actual test day was super helpful and calming. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> I can imagine that was, you know, at least since you'd been doing it as well, it felt familiar. Having a routine was key to feeling more comfortable on that day too. You know, mm -hmm. before that I had practiced getting up at the correct times, which was kind of hard because my exam was a 7 a.m. exam. Um, but I would do my best <laughs> to take my practice exams on a weekend, try to get up at the time that I would need to get up and pack my lunch like I would pack my lunch on the day of. And then I would walk to the library just in case I would need to practice the timing of getting to my exam. So having that routine definitely helps your nerves on test day. Yeah, another great point. <laughs> and that makes a lot of sense psychologically and for your mental well-being. Right. Um, 
So I guess walking out of the exam then, how did it feel while you were waiting to get your score back? Um, it was a bit nerve wracking at first, just because I was starting to finish up my primary applications or application and, you know, thinking maybe if I had to retake it, you know, what was I going to do? Would I continue studying or would I take a year off? Those are all questions that were like floating around in my head for the first week or so, or like two weeks. And then after that, it kind of, you know, felt a little more distant <laughs> and I could focus on, you know, having a good summer and balancing that with applications and friends and family. And then, you know, when the score came around, I just took a deep breath. And, you know, I planned a fun night out with my friends, no matter what, <laughs> and opened it with them and it, and it went well. Yeah. So how did it feel opening it? So it was nerve wracking like the whole day. I, I didn't know if I should wait till 5 p.m. like the website says. And, you know, kind of looking before that felt weird. So I actually went to my boyfriend's house and I planned a night out with him and all of our good friends to like go get dinner and celebrate, you know, it being over and the score getting back. And, you know, I took a deep breath, opened my laptop and was so happy. I just like started crying. because <laughs> I realized I was like, I'm never going to have to take this again. And that was the greatest feeling. So yeah, I, I was, I was really happy. I, for a moment was disappointed um, that I didn't get a 515 and I got a 513, but honestly, like going from my final practice exam being a 510 to the actual being a 513. I was so proud of myself for even getting that far. Right. That's amazing. So you did better than any of your practice scores, which is awesome yeah. to think yes. about. So congratulations again on that score. It's a really, really great score and you worked really hard for it. So that's awesome. Thank um, you so much. And so I guess going from here, the last question would be what, what is happening with you from here? So you said you already finished your um, primary application? Yes. So right now I'm actually doing secondary applications. I um, submitted a primary with about 13 schools on it and I've done six secondaries so far and I'm still working on the other six. If I had any piece of advice for that, <laughs> take your MCAT earlier than June and submit your primary application in like June. <laughs> because I waited until July didn't get my secondaries back until August and with school, it is a lot. But at this point, waiting on interviews back from schools and we'll be working on these secondaries and balancing school with that right now. That's so exciting. I know it's a stressful process, but getting so close to yes, actually starting so the- exciting. <laughs> right. So you're on to the next exciting portion. And once you get past the applications, I guess that's when it all starts for real. So that's so exciting. Right. So congratulations again on making it through like the initial MCAT part of the process and good luck with like the applications and stuff going Thank forward. You. I think those were all the questions we had for you. Before we go, do you have any final pieces of advice for students who might be listening to this and are struggling with their MCAT? So I would just say, don't be too hard on yourself because every single pre-med student has to go through this. And you have to realize that you can only do what you can do. So taking your time and blocking out three hours out of the day is better than nothing. Or if you can't do three, just doing that one and a half in the morning before class is better than nothing. Um, take 
a day off every single week and it doesn't have to be the same day you can mix it up but plan stuff for yourself because you can start to isolate yourself and that's just so unhealthy you want to maintain a healthy social life while you're going through this or even if you're introverted a self-care day you know because at the end of the day like it's more about you than this score like it doesn't define you and you can always take it again if you need to but you probably won't have to if you take care of yourself through the long run of it yeah well said well thank you so much stephanie for your time and for um walking us through your journey we really really appreciate it thank you so much good luck y'all yeah um good luck and thanks for listening you guys happy studying Hey everyone, this is Monica again. And before you go, I just want to remind you that if you're not receiving our daily free MCAT strategy and success story emails yet, definitely be sure to sign up for those at mcatmastery.net slash free course. In addition to that, if you feel like you might need personalized help with the exam and would like to have an MCAT mentor look at your situation and help you identify exactly what's holding your score back, you can look into that too at mcatmastery.net slash mentors. And lastly, and most importantly, We just want you guys to know that you have what it takes to succeed on this exam. We know the MCAT is intimidating, and when you get a score that's lower than you expected on a practice or on the real thing, it's so easy to feel discouraged or frustrated or even hopeless about the exam. We get it. A lot of us have been there. So we want to give you the guidance that we wish we'd had when we were in your shoes. And that's what these interviews are for. That's what our emails are for. We want you guys to be able to feel confident again, and most importantly, be able to see that med school admission is possible, and it's not out of your reach at all. So thanks again for listening, and remember that every top scorer, every med student, and every doctor made it through this journey, so you can do it too. You guys got this.